Welcome to Pond Hockey Pond Podcast, <laughs> where nothing goes wrong. Oh, this is definitely not the second take of this. Incoming where I incoming where I put a picture right here of uh of the tweet we just put out. Um, yeah, audio listeners, you just have to you just have to look on the Twitter at Pond Hockey Podcast, uh, Pond Hockey Pod to uh to understand the context there. Um. Uh. Yeah, no, for reference, we, we tried to do an episode. Uh, we got about five-ish minutes in. Then my Wi-Fi decided to just uh, give up on life for, like, f- what, five, seven minutes, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Do you, have so, like, do you have, like, Comcast or something? Like... I think I have Xfinity. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so that, that was wonderful. But uh, we, we hear... We hear the internet is not going to stop me from covering the cup final and everything else that's happening is we. If it died again. Oh no, he's frozen again. Are you okay? Okay. 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 All right. (laughs) I got so scared for a second. Oh my gosh! This I really is thought my internet was about to do it again. This is starting oh off my. to be a <laughs> shit Great show and start. a half. A shit show and a half, man. I don't know how much I cut out there, but uh, yeah, <laughs> for a solid like five seconds. All right, all right, all right, all right. Well, we have Nick. We need. We, we got to We got to start it. We're starting. Let's we're start. starting off strong. Starting off strong. All right. So this was around where we were. Um. <laughs> In the Ooh, last yeah. take of oh, yeah. the recording, um, so if you guys saw on Twitter, um, we wanted to do something for Pride Month. Um, really, why it's important to us, why it means something to us, and um, I want to point out a charity that is very near and dear. It is as it's a charity that I've been involved with. I've donated to it a couple of times, and I've been a part of a couple of fundraisers throughout the last couple of years for it. Um, But starting off for me, pride month is really just about supporting my friends and family. You know, Um, for me, it's more the fact that a lot of the time from what I've seen, there isn't much of a, Hey, you belong here and Hey, you are loved and you're accepted right now in society because really we've taken a couple of steps backwards instead of forwards, which is just terrible to see. Um, especially with my friends in the community, like they're people, they shouldn't be judged for who they love. And especially in the sport of hockey, as you guys are aware, we're going to cover this topic in a later episode this summer with players like during pride nights, making the night kind of about themselves in a way by not participating, wearing the pride jerseys, which go to charity with the proceeds off the jersey. But for me, just Pride Month means supporting my friends and family and just trying to be a beacon of hope in the sport of hockey that, hey, you belong here. You're accepted. You're loved. There's a place for you here. And that's really what I want to do. Um, now, a charity that I want to highlight is called the Trevor Project. And now what the Trevor Project does is it raise funds to help support teens in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, it also helps them with mental health services, suicide prevention, just stuff like that. It's a very good cause. I highly recommend 
that you guys check them out. I will have them linked in the description and the YouTube clip. Um, if you guys want to find out more, I will have a donation link as well going to our Twitter right after this podcast is up. Um, really, that's just what it means to me. Just wanting to promote a good cause, promote support for friends and family, because I'm sure all of our listeners know or love someone that is in this community and they need to feel welcome. I love that promotion. You couldn't have done it any better for something that is like a really important cause. And I never, especially for me, I talked for personal experience. I never really like thought of it as important until you get to actually know people. Like it's something that's definitely out there important. It's like, as soon as like you get someone in, in your life, that's like a close friend. Yeah. You start I feel like you have you start understanding it a little a little bit better I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. And like when you when you meet people and when especially like when they're a close family member or a close friend, like you learn very quickly that hey, this is still the same person that I've loved and had a, have had a close relationship with. They're not any different from me because of who they love. They shouldn't be yeah. treated any differently because of who they love, you know? It's one of those things like we have to treat people like people instead of just saying, oh, you're different. You don't belong here because you're different from me. Yeah, no, people who do that, they're goofy as hell, honestly. People like that are dumb. Yeah. So So. what I want to do is all of the episodes in June, um, if you guys have any help with this, um, please let me know if there's a charity you want me to give a shout out to and want to put a donation link to in our Twitter, on Instagram, on our YouTube page. Just let me know. So for each episode in June, I want to highlight a new charity that supports the LGBTQ plus community, especially like highlight some of the stuff they do out in the community as well. Just stuff like that. I just, I don't want our pride month promotion. Just be like, Hey, we changed our profile picture. Like, Hey, we support you. Like, no, I want to do something proactive do something to help support people in the community, stuff like that. So if you guys know any resources, please feel free to reach out to us, tweet us, DM us, do whatever you have to do, and we'll get in touch. We'll be keeping this updated throughout June. So, and I think one thing uh, we should, we'll, 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 not words. (laughs) What we will be doing is when we get a good list of uh, more charities along with the Trevor Project. We will have that pinned to our Twitter, so that way people want to find it. They can instantly find it uh, for the next uh, throughout June. Yeah, and even like even after June ends, if there's ever a charity, like no matter what it is that you want yeah. us to that you want us to highlight, just let us know. Like that's something that we'd be very interested in doing, especially if it goes to a good cause. Like you guys know, so just please reach out. We'd be more than willing to to help out. I think we couldn't have started off on a better, on a more. I like this as well. We're starting off on a really positive note, considering sometimes yeah. we will either be bashing our teams or bashing the league. Sometimes, to get yeah. The nice, uh, don't worry, there'll be plenty of both those things. But <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. nice to get. It's nice to start off on a really like upbeat note. So, yeah. Start 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 off on a positive note. Yeah. Um, speaking of positive notes, some exciting hockey going on right now in the Stanley Cup final. Um, yeah. As of recording the show, game two is going on right now. Vegas is up three to nothing on the Florida Panthers in, in. Mi- around 16 minutes left yeah. in the second period. 
Third goal courtesy of uh, Nicholas Waugh. Wow. So we can we can get in talking about the Stanley Cup final. Um, couple surprising things from this series, at least on my end. Something that Vegas has been doing very well that other teams haven't. Vegas has done a very good job, kind of keeping Florida's aggression like hemmed in. Um, Florida's of course getting their aggressive forecheck on Vegas, but they haven't really done anything to force mistakes out of the Knights at, like they've done to like Boston or Toronto or Carolina. Yeah, and I think one good thing I we highlight, oh, I kind of highlighted it in the last um, episode was that they were able to out-hit, out-punch, out, basically just frustrate the other team into making a ton of mistakes. And especially with Vegas' back end, like their entire back six, uh, they could do that and then some uh, to Florida. And what's wild is it's not even like Vegas is playing strong defense. In fact, honestly, I would say they're probably playing their worst defense since the second round. Yeah, they've been they've been pretty average this series. I mean, it's a small sample size. Um, they're, they're doing shelled. well enough. They're doing well enough to get the job done. It's actually kind of like the opposite of what Vegas's identity has been throughout the playoffs. It's normally mm-hmm. been like strong defense. You don't really need to rely on Aiden Hill all that much, though. When you have had to rely on him, he's done a fantastic job. Change, yeah. But so far in this series, it's been the Aiden Hill show instead of like the defense being like world beaters. No, the defense has actually been their weakest point throughout those two games. Oh, yeah. Um, and, it, like, you know, you can – honestly, with Florida, like, especially with how they've scouted Vegas, I'm not surprised that their defense has taken a little bit of a hit because Florida has had a ton of time to scout Vegas and scout their defensive structure. Yeah. I actually think this could play in Vegas's favor, though, because though they're struggling on defense, their defensive structure is – probably completely going to change which is going to fl- throw the panthers off oh yeah and especially when you let aiden hill shine um maybe they didn't scout him well enough on his weak spots i mean you never know we're all, it's a long series we're only in game two stuff can happen um, oh, yeah, we've a had a, we've had change. a three goal comeback happen on this show before so like nothing's <laughs> ever over in hockey very 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 yeah. true that's so funny. I forgot, but, that. I forgot that game was the one. Yeah. Yeah. I went, I remember right after the episode was over, uh, Toronto scored the tying 4 4 goal, like while we were in the studio. Um, right. I was... When we were in the studio, like I was panicking because I didn't think I uh, had muted the mic to go off the airways. And while we're, when we're on DSR, we like, we we take liberties in the summer because like we're not on the radio waves or anything like that. Like we're not doing a live yeah. show or anything like that. But I was swearing like a sailor when that was happening. And I'm like, oh shit, oh, I don't know so if I muted the mic. And what's even funnier, well, it's also because it's easy it's easier to uh just just you could just go to the side and press this glorious mute button. Oh yeah. For 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 our <laughs> listeners, he just, he just muted himself. His Wi-Fi didn't go out this time. No, thank God. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it's it's been a while. Plus, uh, can, can we can we can we talk about the safe? The dude, safe. dude, probably one of the most <laughs> insane safes I've ever seen. That is probably the best save in a Stanley Cup final since Braden Holtby in 2018. To Vegas. <laughs> yeah, and it happened in the same crease in the same spot too. It's crazy. 
same crease in the same spot. It just the roles were reversed. So part of me is like, yeah, does Vegas have the hockey gods on their side? I I don't because know. Because after that goal, that series completely flipped for Vegas. Oh yeah, it completely flipped. Like the Caps got all the momentum and finished oh. it out in five. Like it was crazy. But like the highlight is now four nothing Vegas. Brett Hoden oh with the goal and Mark Stone with an assist. Still, nothing's over. Nothing's over yet. No, no, uh, nothing's I'll, over, but they are shelling we'll, Florida right now. Yeah. We'll, we'll count them out when we see it. We'll count them out when we oh, see yeah, it. No, but... when, the, when, when, the, when the final whistle blows for third period, but they, like I said, yeah. they're playing a great, they're playing a great first half right oh, now. Oh, yeah. That is literally like the only time you can ever count a team out in hockey. It's like, oh, did the final whistle go off? No. Okay, this game's still happening. <laughs> but yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of sports. But I think, no, but that save was like, Mm. that was one of the craziest know. things ever i watched on sports and again just to like see what i saw and i yeah. still cannot believe that save i i don't know how he did it and i don't know how they cleared it right after as well i was little bit of skill little bit of luck um i have i still don't know how aiden hill was able to reach back like that and get that get the puck on his paddle i have no idea how he did it because he was sliding the opposite way and just dove back like it was like there was no effort. Like he literally was just like, "Oh shit, I have to reach yeah. back." Well, I like, swear, it's crazy. there was a goal in the nineties used to do that. I want to say, was it Dominic Hasek? It was I Dominic even Hasek. For that. Yeah, the Dominator, like something like that. I was like, I was like, that was crazy. Dude. And like, just we can go on like the goalie talk. Like for me, speaking of Dominic Hasek, like it, just for me talking. Like, I know a lot of people say, like, Marty Brodeur is the best goalie of all time, or, like, maybe Patrick Waugh is the best goalie of all time. For me, it's Dominic Hasek, just because of the quality of those saves, man. Like, I think Patrick Waugh is definitely up there because he pioneered the butterfly position. And Marty Brodeur, like, he has the most career wins, sure. But just in terms of sheer skill and, like, sheer will of putting a team on his back and carrying them, for me, it's Dominic Hasek. Like, he's crazy. He had a span his career where i think he won like five vesna trophies in seven years or something crazy like that like he was nuts he was nuts that's crazy oh my goodness also like i never would have pictured like even a m- two months ago putting aiden hill and dominic hashik in the same segment of a podcast i never would have thought that would happen Aiden Hill wasn't even the goalie until like halfway through the playoffs until Laurent Boussois got hurt. He wasn't even or the starting no. goalie of the Sharks. Oh, no, he was not. Was it Boussois yeah. or was it Logan Thompson? Who was it that got hurt uh, in the playoffs? Boussois started in the playoffs. Um, and then it was Aiden Hill because I think Logan Thompson was injured before the playoffs started. Robin Lehner's been out all year. And uh, Jonathan Quick, they acquired because they had no idea what they had in goalie. And, like, now look at them. Yeah. And if Vegas wins, Jonathan Quick and Phil the Thrill Kessel are going to be three-time Stanley Cup champions if Vegas wins. Phil the Thrill, baby. From cup winner to Arizona to cup winner. He's in the press box. Is he even playing? No, he's played like four games. He has two assists, though. So, like, you know, he's oh, half yeah, a point a game. I guess that's true. If you got guys like Brett Hoden and Carrier and Barbashev and Amadio and Colsar, I guess you really don't need him. Yeah. I mean, 
I think there's going to be a place for him in in uh in the league though, because he only signed oh, yeah. a one year he only signed a one year deal with Vegas. I still think there's a there's no he'll a space get for he'll him. get signed with somebody. You know, without question, it's just that Vegas has so much in depth right now that he's yeah. like he's obsolete. I honestly predict like it would be somewhere like San Jose, someone like that, maybe Columbus. Well, Mike Babcock, I don't think so, but <laughs> well, bury the lead. That's later. Um, is it though? Yeah, because like we still so. have a, we have still have a little bit to talk about in the final. Because like oh, you know, true. we predicted that like it would be a close series. Um, it we still did. has a potential to be. It's only two games in, but you said they win in. I think you said Florida wins in seven. I said yeah. Vegas wins in six. Yeah, but the thing that pops out to me, other than Aiden Hill's save, is just Bobrovsky has looked very human in this series, and like concerningly human. Yeah, well, they talk. Well, if you we we talked about it as well last few yeah. times. Like some of the numbers were just like one very unlike him, and two, um, almost like unsustainable. Yeah, like you can't you can't keep putting up like point nine three eight save percentages, you know. But like have an expected goals against like be at eighteen or something yeah. ridiculous. Like wh- who was the goalie he was getting compared to? J.S. Jagari. Oh, I know. J.S. Jaguar for the Anaheim old, Ducks who won the con smite. J.S. Jaguar <laughs> is like the only player ever to win the con smite on the losing team. He's crazy. That yeah. run was crazy. No, like we, we might, I think we were too young to remember that because I think it was 2003? 2003? Something like the- that. Either they went to the cup or won it because I know they won one as well. Anaheim they... won it in 04. Uh, Hang on a second. There's an let's easy fact way. Check this. There's an easy way to uh to find this. Uh Con Smythe trophy. 07. 07? When they beat uh Ottawa with uh Spezza, the Ducks won it in 07. J.S. Jaguar won a Con Smythe on the losing team. Yes, that year was. I think it was 03. It was 03. Yeah, 2003 against New Jersey. Yes. That's the famous uh, Paul Correa off the floor on the board after he got creamed. (laughs) But yeah, no. So. It is just true if they don't get some form of... Do you think they stick with Pabrowski if he keeps struggling? I think you have to, because he's the guy that got you there, you know? I yes, mean, that's true. is Alex Lyon going to be any better? Like, in that first Given how round... how this year goes, nothing has made sense yeah. with Florida. Bobrovsky stuck, stunk, so they tried Lion. Lion basically bailed them out into the playoffs. Yeah. Then he played like trash against the Bruins. They put Bobrovsky in, and we all know what happened after that. Yeah. Because so. I think they, I think they keep Bobrovsky, and no matter what, I think he's the one who gives you the best chance to win. And um, they're also paying him a ton of money. <laughs> funny enough, um, one of my one of my friends who listens to the show, um. I actually kind of predicted the Bobrovsky thing because as a joke, um, I think it was like in our sec- first or second episode, I told the Panthers that they had a guy who made history beating a 62-win team. The Panthers had a guy who beat a 62-win team as a backup goalie and they should play him because he literally have history on their side. And they put Bobrovsky in the next game. Oh, oh my God, oh my God, I forgot about that. to the final. <laughs> 
I forgot about that. Oh my god, I forgot I predicted, he was on that Blue Jackets team. I predicted my own team's downfall. Oh my god. All right. That's well, that sucks. So funny. <laughs> well, that that sucks. That's why I forgot. You know, it's the worst, but I completely forgot he was on that Blue Jackets team. Yeah, yeah. He was like the main reason why they like he stole that series. I remember because they they lost three free agents that year. They lost Bobrovsky, Duchesne, and uh Panarin. Uh Panarin, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh man, I but they have anything good in Columbus. <laughs> yeah, I think they will eventually, but like Not that right future now. got pushed back a little bit if we, yeah. th- I think that's a good segue to get into. Uh, it's been some, it's been some moving around so, with the league right now. The Columbus move is a move that I'd like to call the fucking because, um, oh my god. So yeah, they fired Brad Larson, and which like okay needed to happen. He was getting yeah. spanked as a coach, like every yeah. time he went on the ice, he looked lost, and it needed to happen. Yeah, he just was getting. His tactics just weren't good enough. I mean, his players were were so so, but his tactics were just not good enough. Terrible. Yeah, he was so there for a tanking hire? season. Who did they go and hire? How about you do the you do the honors, Jimmy? <laughs> the man of Sir Mike Babcock. You heard that right, fans. That's just, that's not an illusion. He is coaching in twenty twenty three. Oh dear fucking god. So, since I don't have a full experience of this, I'm going to let Jimmy explain what Mike Babcock means. So, because he's coached... So, let me get this straight. He's coached the Leafs, the Red Wings... Anaheim. It? He coached Anaheim. Yeah, he coached Anaheim. I forgot about that. So, this is, like, the rationale I could see them hiring Mike Babcock for. Mike Babcock, other than the Leafs, is, like, a winning coach. I think he's won three Stanley Cups, something like that. Yeah. Or at least he's he's been to a couple finals. I know he's been to a couple finals. He's won at least one with the Red Wings in 08. Um check this. But like he tactically he's a very good coach, very offensively minded, um really tough coach, but like kind of a John Tortorella type, just a quieter John Tortorella. Um my problem with this signing, he has one. He has one with the Red Wings, yes. and he's been to three, three Cup Finals. Yes, two with yeah. the Red Wings in 08 and 09, and one with the Ducks. The one he lost with Jerry yeah. in 03. Yeah, but my problem with Mike Babcock is like, are like all the stories that came out about him. You know, um. A lot of our fans may or may not be aware of these stories, but um, there were reports that came out um when Mike Babcock got fired in 2019-2020 where Johan Franzen was very upfront about Mike Babcock just being not really that great of a person. Like, uh, like Mike Babcock would verbally abuse players on the bench due to performance. He would berate players. He would make them not want to show up to the rink every day. And like as a professional athlete, that's really saying something because you are in the rink all day, every day. You got to where you are, like most likely because you love the sport. It's something you're very passionate about. It's something that you've spent your entire life honing your craft. Um, 
But there were there was more than one account about Mike Babcock being just verbally abusive on the bench. And it wasn't just Johan Franzen. There were a couple of players on the Leafs who yeah, corroborated his claims. Plays as well. Yeah. Uh, I saw Mike Commodore and Chris yep. Chelios also yeah. called him out on some stuff. Yeah. His most famous thing was uh Mike Medano was sitting on 999 games as a Red Wing in his last regular season game. And Mike Babcock healthy scratched him because he's a bitch. Don't you remember the Leafs son? Yeah. Oh, who was it? Healthy scratching it was Jason Spezza on yeah. opening day for I don't even know. Against who. the Sens. His former team, the Sens. We're getting Nick Batan playing him for like one game. He's oh, he like, did he score that game? He was like, nah, bye. Yeah. <laughs> don't like little guy, apparently. Like what? Like, <laughs> god damn it. Ew, little guy gets sent out. (laughs) Mike Babcock is just, in my opinion, he's a dinosaur. Like, he has his moments where he's a good dude, but, like, there's a difference between yelling at a player to inspire growth and to inspire them to play better versus verbally abusing someone and taking personal shots at them on the bench, which is, like, from all accounts, that's what he was doing in the locker room and during games towards his own players which like you just don't do it doesn't help anyone it doesn't matter what level you're at it just doesn't help it doesn't make good locker room chemistry as well i think about no, it, it doesn't there's things like in baseball when i had to watch joe girardi be a phillies freaking head coach manager painful so it's just it's one of these things where it's like great head coach yes he's been he's tenured he has a lot of experience he even has a cup to his name and two finals as well two other final appearances as well but it's like at some points like do you value yourself as like getting somewhere like it's like bringing in john tortorella just not as much of a freaking firebomb in terms of personality and in my opinion john tortorella just in terms of like the man and the coach in my opinion, he's a better coach than Mike Babcock is in terms of the inspiring better play because Tortorella will yell at you. But at the end of the day, like for every player that's ever played for him, except maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is just his own type of person. Weirdest player. Most players that have played for him, like all have said they love the guy. And for Mike Babcock, that's just not the case. You could argue Tony D'Angelo, but well, Tony D'Angelo, like whatever. Another one of those cases. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mr. But, Fake no. Twitter account Tony D'Angelo, <laughs> New York but, Rangers no, fan, a bunch that. of numbers. Because is like the Flyers were projected to be one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, and they somehow don't even think finished top five worst. So no, and, and their team is trash. Their yeah. roster is trash. Dude, like, so I, I, it is a testament. He is a decent coach. Yeah. I'll give him that. And for the Flyers, I don't think hiring Tortorella was a mistake, but it was the mistake was hiring him last year because this this draft was a very deep draft, and Connor Bedard is up here, like peak prospects, best prospects since Connor McDavid allegedly. Um. If the Flyers hired him this year, along with uh, Danny Breer, GM, and Keith Jones at a president of Hockey Ops, that would have been a better move to me because you have like potentially Connor Bedard. So to me, that move would have made more sense this year. And with the Columbus thing, just with Babcock, I like, 
you have a lot of young players, very impressionable young players. And I don't think a guy like Mike Babcock is the best option for such a young organization, considering what he did to Mitch Marner. Yeah. And I, this is what I want to ask. This is the last question I really got yeah. off this. How do you think this is going to translate to how Columbus plays next year? So I think Columbus is going to be a much more physical team because a lot of Mike Babcock teams are um, better or worse, given the fact they're young and they're a lot of their players are not that big. I don't think it plays to their play style. I really don't think it does. I mean, I would have He's hired a sitter freaking Branson. Yeah, yeah. I would have hired a guy like Elaine Vigneault, someone like that, a guy who's pretty decent with young players. Like I never in a million years would I have gotten Dallas Eakins like that just doesn't work out. We saw that experiment with the young players in Anaheim. It just didn't work. Um, no, but just with Babcock, the thing that rubs me the wrong way is he like he doesn't his opinions on concussions are just terrible. He doesn't believe in them. His treatment. I did see something like that, yeah. Oh, he's terrible. Like, if you guys want to read more on it, like it is well documented. Just look up Mike Babcock concussion and it pops up. Um, so the concussions, the treatment of players, and especially the treatment of the young players, because like he had Mitch Marner as a rookie rank his own teammates just based off their work ethic, and like at the face value of it. Like, oh, that's not that big of a deal, you know. It might be a gauge to like put him with a teammate that he team like a two like it also could be used as like like if he finds this out, he's like he's like he's getting young honesty from the young players and he's like, Okay, these people are being like I've seen it happen with baseball and hockey and football. It's not a bad idea on its own, however. Yeah. But like especially like if you want a guy like who thinks, Hey, this player works hard as a rookie, I should model my game after him, I should play with him, get experience with him. But Babcock releases it to all of the other players in the locker room, which causes a problem. And luckily, all of the Leafs players took it extremely well. They didn't hold it against him or anything like that. Because, like, Marner was 18 and 19 years old when this happened. Like, imagine being in a room full of fully grown men saying, like, hey, your work ethic sucks. Like, of course, he didn't mean it like that, but... It's just not a good look. It's not something you should be doing to young players. I hope Babcock has learned from his previous mistakes. Odds are he hasn't, but I just really hope that he adapts himself because if he doesn't, he's going to have a very short-lived time in Columbus and back in the NHL. Probably for the best, yeah. I just hope that it doesn't affect how they play. I think it might, but it's yeah. just because I feel like there's a lot that could be that should get better next year with Columbus. Yeah. Like I think a couple of their defensive prospects will make the jump. Um, they'll probably get a good pick in the draft, which and doesn't hurt. hard to gauge right now. They are. They are. I think they'll be good down the road, like in a couple of years when a couple of their guys get more developed. Um, get maybe get a goalie. Value. Didn't they get good value for trading Corpus Allo? Uh, for the most part, yeah. They got a couple of prospects and they got a couple of picks, which of course you need. Um, just with Columbus, it's hard to gauge because they have a lot of good young players in their system. 
they just got to make the jump and it's going to be like they're just going to be a young team where like there's going to be trial and error they're going to be guys who need a change of scenery they're going to be guys who flourish they're going to be guys who are kind of middling it's all about just figuring yourself out like it's a process Mm -hmm. which like it sucks to hear but especially when you're a young team who is rebuilding it happens yeah and you just got to let the rebuild happen Especially with a team that has usually a, a long track record of not being able to get like yeah. free agent help usually. And I think it'll come like, especially with Columbus, if the team is good, then free agents will want to come there. Like a lot of free agents want to go to a place like Edmonton because of Connor McDavid. If you mm-hmm. get a good team, people will want to go there. It's, it, it would be the same thing for Arizona. If Arizona had a good team and an actual NHL building, then players would want to go there, but they don't. Yeah. Like, Columbus isn't a bad area. It's not bad at all. No. Like, it's one of those things where, you know, if it's not one of these tropical areas and the team's not really going anywhere, then, like, eh. I mean, they got Johnny Gaudreau, so it's a start, but... You know. It is proof. It's just like I think about all the players they lost. So I guess yeah. Duchesne, Seth Jones, which I Bos- actually think they're good on Bobrovsky, Seth Jones. Yeah, Bobrovsky, Panarin, um, Nick Foligno ended up leaving. No, he got traded. Well, yeah, but requested. Yeah. Oh, that's true. So you know it. It's like it's like any sport, man. Um. If your team's good, people want to come. It doesn't really matter where it is. If you have good players around you, then they'll come. You know, it happens. But just the Babcock thing just kind of baffles me a little bit because I just don't really like the signing. I don't think it's that great of a fit. Personally, I would have looked a little while longer. Like, I get it's pre-draft season. And you want to have a coach, like, input. Like, hey, who who should we pick? Which guy do you think would fit our play style better? But at the same time, I think you could have gotten a better guy. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's like, I would rather do what Anaheim did versus what uh what Columbus is doing. Because they're, they're in relatively the same spot. Anaheim and Columbus are just in terms of their rebuild. I think Anaheim did the right thing. Firing Aikens was a must. Firing Aikens and getting a new head coach. Like he doesn't have any NHL experience, but he has AHL experience, which AHL is normally full of like young players, especially when a team's rebuilding. His name is Greg Cronin. I personally haven't really heard of him before. Um, he used to be the head coach of the Colorado Eagles, which was the minor league affiliate to the Colorado Avalanche. Um, those prospects helped come up and win a Stanley Cup with Colorado last year. So in my opinion, that's a pretty good fit. Has experience with uh, developing players, which is what Anaheim needs. Um, I don't think Anaheim necessarily needs results right now, but they need someone to be able to develop players like Zegris, like McTavish, just Harry. players like that, especially whoever they pick with their first round draft pick. And it's like, that's really the key of the differences in the off season. Like you need a coach depending on where you are. If you're in win now mode, you need like an established head coach who can get you over the hump, who can expire your, inspire your players during the playoffs, not expiring them. That would be good, but <laughs> just 
pushing them to get over the hump versus like if you're a rebuilding team, you need a guy that fosters development, that fosters a good culture, just stuff like that. And I think that uh, Anaheim did a fairly decent job, even though I've never heard of the guy before. I think they did a very good job in their hire. Oh, I, I agree. I think this was – I think this should hopefully work out. If, like I said, they just – they desperately need some moves, some free agent moves to start working because – yeah. When they signed, when they got Klingberg on that deal, I thought that was going to be a great idea. It did not work at all. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk looked like a great idea on paper. That failed miserably. Uh, yeah, he did. Plus, all the con they got themselves stuck in some bad contracts as well. Yeah. Like, uh, to I give you an idea, of them. to give you an idea on um, uh, Greg Cronin's experience, he was the head coach or. Graduate assistant at the University of Maine. He was an interim head coach at Colorado College. He okay. also was the head coach of the University of Maine for a couple of years. He's worked with the New York Islanders as an assistant coach. Um, he's been the head coach of Northeastern. He was with the Toronto Maple Leafs for a little bit. And went back to the Islanders, and then his most recent gig was with the Colorado Eagles in the AHL. So he has experience, just not any head coaching experience at the A lot NHL of like level. Bench coaching and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't. Okay. That's not bad. I think that could work. Yeah. He also has a silver medal at a junior championship, U twenties. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, U twenty a- World Junior Championship. We'll definitely be keeping an eye on him. I'm hoping, like I said, I'm hoping for Anaheim's sake they get something. Because, yeah. like I said, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna make a little prediction here just for Anaheim. Expect to see a John Gibson trade potentially this summer. I can see it, and I could see him going close to home for John Gibson. What are you thinking? I think he ends up with Pittsburgh. He's had wild. ties with Kyle Dubas for a long time now. Oh, really? His lease were in discussion for him. I think John Gibson gets lured by the home factor and by a guy that he's had conversations with also. to go to Pittsburgh. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to start crying on camera. Oh, dear. All right. Um. Well, that, that's a good segue. Time to rip the bandaid off. <laughs> yeah, time to rip the bandaid off. Go ahead. Uh. So, um. Yeah, I was actually going to pull up the tweet. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, no, just simple news. Uh, Dubas found a job. Who, yeah. Who's shocked? Uh, the Penguins. Uh, it, it was the, the Penguins. It's so, almost like we said something about it on our second episode. It's almost like everybody from a mile away saw it coming. Yeah. Even shit posters like us. <laughs> yeah. But um, nah. This like I'm so glad Pittsburgh did this. Oh, it's it's I'm massive, so, massive. So, so happy they fired Ron Hextall. Oh, they they needed to. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. I think Hextall would have been gone no matter what. Even in like the middle of the season, um, I think this move was just great for them. Like, there's so much about Kyle Dubas as a person and as an executive that I think fits so well with Pittsburgh, especially because like it's the biggest issue with the Penguins the last few years have been drafting oh yeah and actually i'm doing something uh like like his drafting history um 
he doesn't necessarily like blow you out of the park or with uh with like first round draft selections. This is kind of what the Penguins need though. What he does is if he has like a first round pick or a high second, if there's a player worth taking at that first round spot, he'll do it. But oftentimes what he'll do is he'll trade down, try to get a couple more picks in the draft, mostly in the draft afterwards, because what he does is if his team is a contender, he tries to supplement the team with scoring using the picks that he acquired in in the previous draft. That's why he was able to pull off the Ryan O'Reilly trade and the Jake McCabe trade was because he had so many picks to choose from because of how many times he traded down. So like at the time it could seem like it's annoying. Like why the hell is he doing this? We never pick with a first round pick. I think during the Crosby Malkin Latang era, you're not, you're still not going to have that great of a first round draft selection, but he's damn good at finding gems in the second round. He found Matthew Nyes in the second round. He found Pontus Holmberg in the, in the second round. Like the guy, the guy can hit. He does like, yeah, it's just what they need. Especially because I'm, I literally looked through the draft history of the Penguins. Uh, it's, it's bad. It's they really haven't bad. had a first round pick in a long time. I think this last year was the, the first, last first round pick really, they had. Like I'm looking through all the names of like first and second round picks. I ironically Casper Kapanen was a Penguins pick. I forgot about that. Yeah, but they got uh, Kessel out of him, so it was worth it. Yeah, but I'm thinking like like the list of people and I don't know the trades and all that stuff. So I'm a little yeah. unaware of that, but like, I'm listening to like, look at the guy, Daniel Sprong, Philip Gustafson, Ooh. who ended up going to the Sens. Uh, yeah. I don't even know what came out of that. Derek Broussard. Oh God. Yeah. Casper broke this. Zachary Lazan, who I knew had some just unfortunate things happen. Yeah. A lot of injuries, um, but you can't predict that. Um, but like Philip Hallander and Kaylin Anson have either those yeah. two made impact. And like with with the penguins, Sammy Poland, though, who stepped away. Yeah, he'll be back though. Yeah, it's just their their draft yeah. history is. It's shaky. It's very bad. shaky. It's bad. And There's not much that's helping them the last few years. Yeah. And Dubis is going to bring all of like his Leaf scouts that he had that were good at hitting in the second round. And like this is what the Penguins need. Like one of their best players right now, Jake Gensel, wasn't a first round pick. Matt Murray, who won two cups with the Penguins, wasn't a first-round pick. Brian Rust wasn't a first-round pick. Players like that, you know, you need guys who can find these gems like that because oftentimes, especially when you're a contending team for so long like the Penguins have been, you're not going to get that many first-round picks. You're not going to be picking the cream of the crop at, like, top four or top three, sometimes maybe even number one, you know? No. You you need a guy... You need a guy to supplement your talent, whether it's picking like late first, early seconds, or trading down and getting more picks to trade for well-established guys. It's gonna be. I'm. I'm hoping he makes hockey better for Pittsburgh. I really oh, I do. think he will. I think the only reason he didn't succeed in Toronto was because one, it's Toronto, and two, it was because Brendan Shanahan was breathing down his neck for every decision that he was gonna make. I uh, like the new GM. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just for me, like, before we get to that, I think Kyle, the other reason Kyle Dubas is a good fit for 
the Penguins is he came out and said that he believes in the core, like he believes in Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. And just in this this point in their career, I know a lot of Penguins fans don't really want to hear this, but I think those three have deserved to finish off their career in Pittsburgh. They really have. They've won three cups there. They've been to four cup finals. They've given you countless memories. Like the guys, the guys signed there. They want to be there. They all put their heart and soul into this. Yeah. Game. I think they, they deserve to finish their careers out in Pittsburgh. You know, a lot yeah, of people like... are like, he shouldn't have handcuffed himself to this core or whatever. But in my opinion, the guys deserve to go out. Like to me, I don't trade any of those three players because they're icons in that city and they're wow. on the wrong side of 35 now, even. So you can't really get that much trade value out of them. And what's wild is they both played a great season. Oh, yeah. They were All two of the best did. players. And uh, from what I saw, they stayed healthy. They, Malkin and Crosby played a full 82 games. Yep. Like the first time in like a decade. First time well, ever. First time ever. First time ever. First time ever. So you can't really trade out of them. And would no. you, would you as an organization in good faith trade Chris Letang after no. everything that happened to him this last year? I get business. Sports is a cold business. It's ruthless. And sometimes the best of the best make harsh decisions, but there are just times where it's like, there, you can't. Yeah. There's you not. can't after he had a second stroke and lost his dad. Yeah. On one season. I just there's no way. There's no you circumstance can't. I trade Chris Letang away. There's no circumstance I trade any of them away. They deserve to close it out. And honestly, I don't think that the big three in Pittsburgh were the problem. The they problem was the their bottom six. The problem. the problem was the bottom six. Bottom six in goaltending. <laughs> Let's trade a second round pick for Mikel Granlin. <laughs> and they're stuck with him for another two years. Like it's gonna be one of those things where like Penguins fans might not like it, but they're going to have to trade that first round pick down to get rid of a bad contract. And it's not Dubas's fault. It's going to be undoing what Hextall did. It might even be trading like. Might have to trade first to get rid of Jeff Carter's. Yeah, you might have to. You might have to. Because he's handcuffing your bottom six. Like they have $20 million in cap space or something like that. But a majority of that's going to go to a goalie. Um, I I just don't think that the Penguins are in as bad of a situation that they're in. Like they can rebuild the bottom six, but they need to do something about Jeff Carter. They have to. It you can't have a guy making like three million a night, not scoring any points for like twenty games straight. Like it's terrible. Tremendous. Like I think if the Penguins fix their bottom six problems, they are a playoff team again, and they're comfortably a playoff team again. And they could even make a run. Yeah, yeah it wouldn't just, surprise me. Let's hope, like I said, let's hope with Dubas there. That's gonna make a, it's gonna make a big change. It's gonna make for a the change. better. Yeah, they really can't go much lower after how bad the season went. No, they really can't. Both they on really and can't. off the ice. Yeah, they really can't. So, uh, but Dubas is former team now. <laughs> Remember, we were making all the bets. <laughs> I joked about names like Shirelli or Birchman. I fu- wish okay. I really wish that's what happened. I would have been I would have been laughing and laughing and laughing. But thank that. fucking God it, it wasn't Bergevin or Shirelli. Um <laughs> in terms of uh in terms of guys that could have gotten, you know, I think Tre Living was the best option of of the guys they were looking at. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've been reading. I've been reading up on him a little bit. Like, am I thrilled that Dubis is gone? No. Um, but my take on this, and from what I understand, um, for living is. It, Treliving's standpoint is going to be like he's going to be another set of eyes on the core. I don't think they keep all four of them. I think one of them goes no matter what. But it's another set of eyes on the issues. Like the Leafs, the Leafs' flaws are on defense. So it's going to be one of those things. Like which guy do you get rid of to bolster your defense a little bit? It's it's defense and it's defensive structure. Um, I think Treliving. I don't think he's a bad GM. It's just moves that he's done. He's had no choice to do. Like the Kachuk trade, Kachuk wanted out. He didn't have a choice. There were a couple of times where like he didn't really have a choice to make a trade. Um, I think we're talking about the Flames a lot differently, and I don't think Treliving is the least GM if the Flames didn't have Daryl Sutter as their head coach for as long as they did. I think they make the playoffs if Daryl Sutter's not there and Treliving's still there. Yeah, uh, like I don't think they're as good as Florida. Opinion. What's up? True Living just has I have really mixed opinions on him, and I can so do I'll I. get to that in a minute. So do I. I mean, on one hand, different set of eyes in terms of losing trades. Like he's lost his fair share of a couple, but there are others. Like I think the Kachuk trade right now. It looks bad because the Panthers are in the cup final and the Flames just shit the bed at the end of the year. I think we talk about it a little differently in a couple of years because I don't think Huberdo just drops off a cliff like that. And I don't think Mackenzie Weger does it either. I think it was mostly a structure problem with the Flames. And I think like structure problem and you need you need to fire Jacob Markstrom into the fucking moon yesterday. That goaltending yeah. performance like. He baffles me because like he has plays where like he's one of the best in the league. Like, how did he stop that? And he has others where he's like, oh, my God, why did you leave the net? So (laughs) in terms of Treliving, I think that he has potential. But in my opinion, it's a downgrade. I definitely agree with it, like a downgrade. And I think some of the biggest ones for me, I remember, was that. One big thing was the. I remember the, I, there was a few things. One, there was that there was that one for one swap where they sent Cam Talbot to uh, Edmonton to the, to the Flames, and yeah. they sent over Mike Smith to Edmonton. Yeah, part of me right thinks idea that trades a back. win. <laughs> well, it depends it, on who it's you. It's probably a lose lose. Yeah. You know. Maybe not as much. I mean, I, I yeah. gave Edmonton valuable years. Cam Talbot only gave him like I think one or two seasons. Yeah, and he was terrible with them. Or I remember the fact they willingly took Milan Lucic. I know they yeah, traded. Yeah, that was bad. That was, and then they signed the. And the only reason they got themselves in that mess is because they signed James Neal to that stupid deal after one year, one for one, one for one swap, and it was bad. That was, was voice horrible. crack. Holy hell! It was horrible. And I think about those sort of things. Giving Jacob Marsh on the six by six, it it seems like a good idea, but it's another one of those cases where he was back and forth. He had one big season. They reach for him. Yep. I mean, that's kind of the biggest thing. I will give credit. He made some moves that worked out. 
I mean, Tyler Toffoli wants the greatest one. I mean, he took Toffoli from was it Canadians. Yeah, it was Canadians. Yeah, Canadians, and it paid off perfectly. He was yeah. probably one of the better players this season. But it's like, and I get yeah, like I said, I think Daryl Sutter was a ginormous issue of that. <sighs> the thing with Tree Living is that, well, for me, it's like it, it's like if every good move, it's like one that's like, why do it? Yeah, like why do that? Like. For every good move he does, he has at least two bad ones. Yeah, and then there's times where it's just, and I've seen this the last few seasons, where they desperately need to do something. Yeah. And he's usually one of the more passive GMs in the league. So, where Dubas is probably one of the most aggressive. I don't think they made a trade during the entire trade deadline, did they? They made, like, one. I think they got, like, Brett Ritchie. Yeah, I don't even think they. Depth. Yeah, it was Brett Ritchie for um his know, brother. It was Richie oh, for Richie. I think it was. Give me a second. I think they had two. I thought they yeah. had someone else. Because I don't think they made any like roster changes other than like one during the trade deadline. Like it wasn't even that big of a deal when the Flames kind of needed it because they were in free fall still. No, they were just stuck with and Darren Hunt. Yeah, nah, that's that's not great. That um, was literally all they did for Raheem. Uh, I know they traded Nick Ritchie for Brent Ritchie. Yeah, and they got. Oh no, no, they got. Yeah, they got Nick Ritchie and Darren Hunt. Those are the two yeah. players they got. Dude, you need more than that, man. So I think that's where I kind of have my personal yeah. problems because it's like. They were both the biggest reasons. It wasn't even as much about the players in Calgary as it was management with terrible coaching. Killed them. The entire front office failed the Flames team and the fans. Yeah, like, I absolutely agree. And, like, it's going to be interesting with what happens in the Leafs organization because, like, this is a question I have for you. Like, if the Leafs are underperforming and, like, they no doubt lose a trade for any of the core four, Matthews might not get locked up. Uh, for the foreseeable future this offseason. Who do you fire first? Treliving or Shanahan? Shanahan. Without yep. question, because here's my here's my issue. Like I said, we talked about this in like like two different episodes. Yeah. The decision was from from the entirety of the board, either Duba stays and Shanahan leaves, or Shanahan stays and Dubas leaves. Yep. Dubas is gone. Shit, like, and that's my other issue with tree living, is that I I don't know because of how the Leafs have been handling things. What moves start with him, and what moves end with Shanahan? That's um, going to be my biggest problem with this, is because I see him as a passive guy. Yeah, and it's not a bad thing on him. I'm not installing him as a person or anything. I think he's fine at his job, and I'm not trying to do that. But I don't know where. He doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to be able to take conflict amazing. And a guy like Shanahan, he wants things his way. Yeah, he does. And Dubas was the kind of guy who could push back and stand on his ground. Like, I want this happening. Even if it gets vetoed, he stands on his what he thinks works. Oh, yeah. And, and that's like the only reason why half of his trades went through. Yeah. So... In the case of someone like Tree Living, I feel like a lot of those moves, if something goes wrong, 
it's not even as much of him making the moves. He's just the one kind of signing off on it because Shanahan's doing it. It's the same way with um, who was the assistant GM with the Penguins who also got fired. There was oh, a third name. Man, he was the one who greenlit the freaking Mikel Granlin trade. It was a Chris something. I was going to say it was a Chris Ellis, but no. Chris Pryor. Chris Pryor, yes. Chris Pryor. He's the numbnuts who greenlit the Mikel Granlin trade and traded away and wanted them to trade Bluger. Like, Dude, that trade still makes absolutely so no bad. sense. So that's my problem here is that that's why I don't like the tree living hires because it's like yeah, he just he strikes me as Brian Burke. For the Penguins, he strikes me as like someone like that. He's just someone who's really going to be there. He's going to make moves, but he's not really their GM in my mind. No, he's it's not. Shanahan. It's, it's a just yes, he's man. not getting labeled. It's a yes so, man. That's why I think Shanahan yeah. should get fired. Because if things go wrong this season, he's the one who's going to wear the egg on his face. Especially if Pittsburgh starts immediately playing better. Oh, you know they are. And I'm pretty confident they're going yeah. to save for save for a massive save for a rebuild, which I don't think will happen. So, it won't happen for a while. I think no. they're that they're approaching the time to do it, but it's not going to happen yet. No, they're going to give it trying. like three or four years. You know, yeah, until they're basically just about to retire. So, yeah, yeah. So I agree with that. So if they start playing better, if you fire Tree Living, that just does nothing. So, no, it doesn't. Because Shanahan's the one who's going to be making most of the decisions this offseason in Green. Yeah. And Tree Living's just going to be there to kind of. Tree Living's going to be like, hey, you want to do this? Sure. Why not? Like, so I guess that's my biggest. Yeah. With Tree Living. Yeah. So, how do you feel on that? The most interesting thing, like, before I get into the Tree Living stuff, the most interesting thing about this whole saga. Is Kyle Dubas isn't the general manager of the Penguins. He's the president of hockey operations. He has the same position Brendan Shanahan wanted, or Brendan Shanahan has. So it's one of those things. Like, I think he's going to act as GM as well. I don't know if they hire a GM or not, but it's one of those things where, like, Kyle Dubas got a promotion. So Hmm. the whole dynamic, especially with with Dubas wanting to re-sign with Toronto. It was one of those things like, hey, I want autonomy of my team. I need to be able to make decisions to help this team win. And I can't do that. The reason why we have only won one round in my tenure was because I had this guy monitoring every single decision I made. They could have had Brendan Hagel. They could have had Ivan Barbashev. They, who, who's another guy they could have had Barbashev like a long time ago? That's crazy. Yeah. There's a, Tage Thompson they could have had with that report. Like, it's stuff like that where I don't blame Dubas for wanting to leave. I think if Dubas has full control of a team, he's a damn good GM. I think he's a damn good GM without it. Yeah. But with that being said, my opinion on Living is I think he's going to be a yes man for Brendan Shanahan. I think without a doubt, the Leafs take a step back or when they take a step back, Brendan Shanahan's gone. You can't keep him. You can't. He's been here since 2013. They've won one round with him. They have like next to no success with him. It's a fail. It's like the 76ers process all over again. It's a fail. (laughs) It's a good parallel. It's a good comparison. It's a fail. Like, I I think the, I think Tre living sticks around longer than Shanahan does. 
I don't necessarily think Treliving is going to do a bad job. I think he's going to be like iffy. He's going to have times where it's like, what the hell were you thinking? And other times like, wow, that's great. Um, I just don't see a future where Shanahan is back next season. I don't. The only way is if they get past the second round. Even then, I don't think so. I think if they get half past the first two rounds, he they wouldn't fire someone. You'd have to really like, yeah, collapse on yourself to fall apart. They were to lose in the first round again. There's no question in my mind that happens. If they miss the playoffs, well, that's just obvious. Oh, if they miss the playoffs, it's a freaking disaster. That's a disaster. Uh, nuclear codes get put into Toronto, <laughs> dude. That's a disaster if they miss the playoffs, especially with that Matthews deal coming happens. up. I mean, I will send you we'll, a card if that happens. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I feel like I said, I feel bad, and I'm like I said, all of the at the end of the day, I'm not saying this to destroy like what I think Brad Tree Living is. Yeah, I think he has a lot of moves with the right idea in mind. A lot just did not work in his favor. Yeah, part of it was horrible decisions. Like I said, the James Neal signing, the trading for Milan Lucic trading but then there's like signing the markstrom contract to a six by six after one year yeah stuff like that but then i'm like i also see times where it's like he's making good ideas that just completely fall on his face like this trade is the the, the chuck trade is the perfect example yeah you trade for two guys who have genuinely played good in their career yeah who've genuinely played good like the last three or four seasons and they both put up career worse in just about every stat. Yeah, and a big part of that, it's like right idea, wrong system. Yeah. So and that's like with a lot of his trades, like, hey, it's the right idea. You got a good player in theory, but when you put him into your system because of the head coach that you have, doesn't work. So I'm hoping, like I said, new mindset there can yeah, being a new mindset with the Leafs can help things. If, if, by the way, have we heard anything about Keith? Is Keith still there? Keith is still there. He's probably going to stay this season. So it's the exact right. opposite of what fans wanted. Yep, that sounds about right. Oh god, yeah, the Maple Leaf way, baby. Don't tell me you guys are turning into a boys' club. We've been a boys' club for a while. You're not even top five. No, we're not, but they've they've been a boys club for a while. Dude, they're getting bad. Like I said, you yeah. want to talk about boys clubs. <laughs> I could I could do this a lot of proud because Seattle's not one. Not right now. Not yet. You guys don't have enough history to be a boys club. That is true. We're not Boston. We're not Edmonton. We're not freaking Chicago. LA. <laughs> At least they're winning. Mm. Like it's not always bad. Philly's also a boys club, by the way. The Philly is most definitely a boys club. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's yeah, it's just frustrating to watch. I yeah, I'm gonna be optimistic one because I want to do it for your sake, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's just like to any season, my reaction is gonna be we'll see how it goes. I'm gonna try not to judge like super hard before the season starts because you, you never know until the team hits the ice. So. And the good thing is, there's not a lot of like really like like guys who are like who are going to get massively overpaid. What scares yeah. me is, is he's going to make a stupid fucking trade? 
I know, actually, no, it's this. <laughs> I'm afraid he's going to give a stupid amount of money to Jason Zucker. Oh, my God. Don't even put that into existence. Oh, my God. I have God. a feeling that could happen. Christ. I feel like this could be James Neal for the Leafs. The real deal. Jason Zucker. Fuck. <laughs> I really hope I'm, I don't. I feel I'm probably wrong. No, nah. but I don't, I don't think I they're going to do anything like that because they can't afford it. Well, that is true. You guys are stuck in Capel. Yeah, we're stuck there for another two years. It's fine. Uh, but God. speaking of the salary cap, because this is another good topic to go off of, which like this contract shocked oh. the hell out of me. Like this was a damn good move. Like it's actually kind of scary because both of their core guys are locked up to below 10 million, which like, hey, I would kill for that. But um. Montreal signs Cole Caulfield. I know there was a lot of concern about this before um, this signing occurred. Um, a lot of Habs fans thought like, hey, maybe he doesn't resign here. There were a lot of videos of him like just doing a lot of personal stuff versus trying to get a deal done. Um, especially the reports like it's it's Canadian media, especially with hockey players, like a lot of paranoia. You want your top guys to stay there. It's like any mm-hmm. big market for any sport. You want your top guys to stay there. But um yeah. The Canadians signed Cole Caulfield eight years. Really good. Sign him until he's 30. The best thing about it is his average annual value is cap hit is $7.85 million a year. That is That's a crazy. crazy steal for Cole Caulfield. That is crazy. I'm doing like future okay. elite goal scorer, maybe even current elite goal scorer, Cole Caulfield. He scored 26 goals in 46 games. That's yeah. how crazy he was yeah. playing. Like he's a guy who he's a game changer for them. Yeah, like he the guy, the guy is nasty. Even like that 2021 Stanley Cup playoff run, he was nasty. Like having him and Suzuki locked up. That's a good move. Yeah, especially because right now they're got they got two contracts that are kind of yeah. hurting them. Yeah. But it's the it's, they're not in a place where it's like it's gonna kill no. them. You know which ones I'm talking about. It's, yeah. Uh, Josh Anderson and mm-hmm. uh, Gallagher. I think there's a team that could want Josh Anderson, though. I don't think they're stuck with that deal. They're there's definitely a team that could want clauses. him. Yeah, but there's definitely a team that could want him, in my opinion. Definitely a team that could want him. Yeah, honestly, if I'm the Canadians, I'm saying you keep, like I said, you build around Caulfield, Suzuki, build around those two, and I say – Keep Kirby Doc as well because I think he can get better. Kirby Doc, yes. I think that was a great decision, and Blackhawks are stupid for letting him go. Um, oh yeah, but look pretty good in the rebuild right now. If you could get any value for the Anderson trade, find a way. Yep, and I'd say trade Mike Hoffman. Yeah, I I'd support that too. Um, my thing about the Habs right now is they're in a good spot. Um. Just the got kind of unlucky last year with the draft selection. Like maybe Slavkovsky uh I like develops. what he brings. I like what he brings. He just didn't really wow me this year. Like he also didn't play a ton from what no, I saw. No, he didn't. He he needed to get some development. He really needed to. Um he got hurt yeah. for a while. Like I think he'll end up being decent. I don't know if he was a first round first overall pick quality player. But I think he brings something that the Habs will need down the road. Yeah, especially because right now they 
they got a lot of turnover. Yeah. What also isn't helping them is that they've had some of the worst luck I've ever seen with injuries, like besides Columbus. When you're a bad team, one of the biggest issues is that your team doesn't stay healthy. But, like, there's a difference between, like, when I watch Columbus, it's like their strength and conditioning is terrible there. Oh, yeah. Whereas something like this, it's like it's genuinely some of the worst luck I've ever seen with players. Mike Hoffman, Devorak, Cole Caulfield, Paul Byron, Kirby Doc, Monahan, Josh Anderson, Sokoski, Matheson, Savard, uh, Jordan Harris, Carey Price. I mean, that that's I still have another like three names I didn't. Yeah. Name. Like, sometimes that's, that's a blessing. In, sometimes that's a blessing in disguise if you're a bad team, though. That can net <laughs> you a first overall pick. Sometimes. Not this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if it did this year, like that was a big concern for division rivals. Like maybe they have, the halves. Yeah. Whereas it's not like like Philly or Columbus or the Ducks where it's like there's a lot of question marks. I think they have a lot there that could work. Yeah, they do. They just need to retool some things, and I think they got a lot there. So I'm hoping that's why uh, like keeping him, yeah, keeping Caulfield with Suzuki. Yeah, you just need an elite defender now. If Someone I'm them like in the Jeff if Petrie, I'm them in the draft, Jay Weber type. Yeah. If I'm them in the draft, I'm picking defensemen 10 times out of 10. Desperately. Maybe a goaltender. Maybe. Actually, let me check something. There's someone on the defense I want to check. Is Math- Matheson is still there for another Matheson's three still there. So Matheson, for them. Matheson's not an elite player, but he's a damn good one. He's a great player to have on yeah. like a second or third line. Yeah, yeah. So keeping him and Jordan Harris, I think, are going to be two huge keeps. Yes. Starburst Jack guy yeah. is going to be a big keep too if they can do Jack, it. Yeah, I like him as well. Yeah, Wi Fi. That's his nickname. Oh, you scared me for a second. Oh, <laughs> you can't oh, say Wi Fi thought... after I've crashed twice on these episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, um, my co host is having internet problems and I just said Wi Fi out of nowhere. <laughs> I just had paranoia for a second. Well then, oh, that's funny actually. Well, that no, but... sucks. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do like overall what the Canadians are doing. So I'm yeah. very glad he's staying. I really me am. Me too. Me too. Even though it pains me to say that as a fan of a division rival, I think he's a good fit. I do. He's a good player. Leafs fans don't crucify me. He's a good player, and you know it. The only reason you don't think he is because he wears a Habs jersey. And destroys you guys. <laughs> he destroys everyone. He does. He's just nasty. Yes. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> All right. I'm scrolling through the last topics and the. Are, are we the getting last... into? Are we getting into we the have one two that topics was... left, and they're both painful to talk about. Oh, we should probably Which... rip the bandaid off for the most painful one, and <sighs> then end on a end on kind of a rant, I guess. And on a laughing one, we can we can laugh yeah. the last one off. Yeah, so this one you really can't. It's not before it's not we get into this. First, uh, there's a trigger warning to everyone. This uh, topic deals with potential sexual assault, potential uh, human trafficking. We don't know all of the details yet. We were gonna cover it in a previous episode, but more information has come out. Um, It's still a lot of unknown. Keep in mind, these are allegations. Um, Nothing is proven yet. 
Um, so all of this stuff is what allegedly happened. Um, but there has been a situation regarding Valerie Nachushkin of the Colorado Avalanche that pretty scary situation. Um, if you got as you guys know or might not know, um, Nachushkin was not with the Colorado Avalanche after game two of the first round of the Seattle series. Mm-hmm. Um. Basically, what happened was allegedly there was a highly intoxicated woman that was found in his hotel room. Um, they couldn't identify her. She didn't have her driver's license. She didn't have a passport. Um, she said that she was from Ukraine. Um, especially with the conflict in Russia, it makes the situation look even worse. Um, we don't know a ton of stuff yet, but as far as the NHL is concerned, which kind of puts a bad taste in my mouth, especially with like nothing is settled right now, the NHL said that they would not be conducting investigation to the matter and that Colorado dealt with it in a swift way, which just to me as an onlooker, I just don't think that's the case especially with the video that came out i just don't think that's the case at all yeah like i was gonna say is it possible to play it or is there a good chance we get copyrighted if we do it i don't put it on youtube um i don't think we can um yeah, good chance we get copyrighted. Yeah, there's there's a good chance we get copyrighted, and I'm not sure if I want to uh, put our fans through that because it's it's a tough listen. Um, basically, to give yeah. you guys the rundown, um, the woman was in an ambulance, and she was saying that she didn't have her ID, she didn't have her passport, and that uh, quote a bad man took her driver's license and her um passport or her id not necessarily a driver's license um it's just a very uncomfortable situation um a lot of things have been alleged to happen Mm -hmm. um it's just really tough man i just don't think the nhl is doing enough with this situation especially with saying that nichushkin was eligible to play next season like it just doesn't really sit well with me because like I know it's innocent until proven guilty, but at the same time, with a situation like this, I think personally it's in everyone's best interest to keep him out of games, enable like in order to sort this thing out, to conduct a proper investigation in accordance with law enforcement in both Denver and Seattle to fully understand what's happened. Like, you need to get proper identification. You need to run through all processes that you possibly can to ensure that, one, the this person is safe, and two, to make sure all the facts are understood before going, oh, nothing happened. Um, He can play again. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just really stuff like that. a decision like this, especially because teams try to – it's like this in every sport – when you find something bad that happens, like um, I'm trying to remember the Spurs player in the NBA. Oh, I don't remember. I'm going to try and remember it. Or, you know, in the NFL, all the stuff that happened with De- Deshaun Watson. Yeah. He he ended up sitting out an entire season. I, I don't remember. I don't, 
I think that was the league telling him he couldn't play for a season. It was the league Whoa. telling him he couldn't play, and it was his contract dispute with the Texans as well. It was two That's things. It was two things. Um, but just in a situation like this, especially when you don't know anything and really no one knows a whole lot about it, you probably shouldn't be giving him the green light to play because he's still in a prominent position. And like, yeah. if he's an alleged, if he's an alleged predator like you can't have a person like this in a high position because like he could act again like you don't know and like i'm not trying to write him off as guilty like i'm absolutely not it's just like optics for the nhl and keeping the well-being for most importantly keeping the well-being for those around him like you don't want another situation like this to happen like you need to do your due diligence you need to make sure that you look through every single thing you possibly could and make sure that if he is truly innocent, then he can play games. If you can't prove it, then he shouldn't be playing no matter what. Like, I don't care how important he is to a team. I don't care like how big of a contract extension he got from the abs last year. He shouldn't be playing until like everyone knows concrete that he didn't do this. Cause if he did, you're looking at a serious penalty and it's going to look even worse on the NHL, especially with what happened last summer with the Blackhawks. Like you just can't have another thing like this with stones left unturned. Like you can't go speaking of the Blackhawks, like you can't go a whole decade with something like this happening. And then all of a sudden go, Oh shit, something bad happened. And we ignored it for so long. Like you need to deal with it and you need to deal with it now. Yeah, I mean it's basic PR one hundred and one. If you if there's if there's a crisis, you gotta be able to find when it's like when it's just an issue. Yeah, and I think, and that's my take on this is that I think that the league and the team are treating this as like it's not an it's not a full blown crisis until it falls under guilty because I. I compare it so much to the Sean Watson situation because yeah. when it was like two or three cases, the Texans and the whole league didn't take it as an issue. When it started getting to like, when it became like fucking 14, 15, yeah. 20, I think it's now up to like as high as 26. Yeah, like, something crazy like that. But even like, like two or three, two or three accusations is still yeah. pretty fucking bad. It is even bad, one, but... even one is bad. Like you need to do your due diligence, at least. Yeah, man. it's just one of those cases where I don't know how to really best describe it. As in, until I guess until the facts come to light, I think the NHL and the and the AVS are both treating it as like wait till what happens and then make a decision. Yeah, and it's like especially like say. Say Nichushkin is innocent and all this, holding him out kind of protects him a little bit in a way. It keeps his name out of the spotlight. It keeps the attention off of him so you can do your investigation properly so there's no distraction. While on the other hand, if he's guilty, he's not making all of this money on his contract when he shouldn't have been because there's possibly a criminal case on him. Like it's a it is a very delicate situation 
where it's one of those things where like i don't think he should be represented prominently until we know that 100 that he is innocent of all this because if he did what he allegedly is said to have done like it's just a bad situation and you have another yeah. nightmare on your hands not only is this woman's life ruined you have another nightmare on your hands for multiple people involved uh, like, I was curious though, did anything like because they talked about another guy who was like talking with police and all that stuff? Well, one of the Avs team staff Bradley that was Chantram. a retired police sergeant who works as the Avalanche security, which he gave a mediocre rundown of the situation. The other thing to note was a lot of the um audio was redacted from it because it revealed personal information it revealed other stuff that you can't necessarily put out yet yeah, no you can't because it's going to be, be like in possible court proceedings yeah. yeah there's going to be that and like possible court proceedings like i don't think we see the end of this i think there's something that will come out about this like throughout the off season it's something that we're going to keep an eye on yeah but we'll keep an eye on this it's everybody. just a very scary situation and unfortunately this is not the first time something like this has happened and the really unfortunate thing is it's probably not going to be the last no everybody's got some form of ulterior motives good batter out of so i'm i'm hoping this was just a situation that just got weird or ugly or something and it's something that can be all all we can hope for all we can hope for is that the truth comes out and if Nichushkin is innocent, he can resume playing in the NHL. If he's not, he needs to go away for a long time. Yeah. Like, it's just, you need to find the truth. Um, situation sucks, really, for everyone. But at the end of the day, you you need to figure out what happened, what's going on. Make sure everyone gets the proper justice that they deserve, especially no, no matter where you are in the world. Like, just proper justice needs to be served without question um all right yeah i think we covered that decently um let us know if there's if there's any updates or anything like that if you guys want us to cover any more about the situation we'll do it to the best of our abilities like i said that the uh topic is very uncomfortable we're not afraid to shy we're not afraid to talk about it but at the same time, like our takes might not always be the best in this situation because like we really don't know a whole lot about this situation. It's not just us. It's the entire hockey world. Like no one really knows a lot of what's what's transpired or what yeah. has or hasn't transpired. Like we don't know all of it yet. If there's an update, we'll provide it to you guys. At the end of the, end of the day, we got to treat it like journalists because in just like in, like how it is in america or how it is in most places that have laws like this you or i don't like i forget how other countries and courts do it but like especially here like we have the idea of innocent until proven guilty so yeah we are we are trying to give it from both sides and yes give, be as not as much middle but as like as much as just reporting the facts and giving yeah letting you all have your decision to make the call how how it goes yeah and it's one of those things like you got to give you got to give the middle you got to give the hypothetical if one thing didn't happen here's what should happen if one thing did happen here's what should happen it's like 
one of those things. We're not trying to necessarily, we're not trying necessarily pick sides or anything like that. We're just trying to get information to you guys the best way that we can while trying to keep our listeners as comfortable as they possibly can be in a situation like this. Yeah. Like it's just a very tough conversation. Yeah. it, It sucks, but it's a conversation that, needs to be had because like you need awareness on this type of thing because if you don't spread awareness then stuff like this which might be what the nhl pr team wants to happen will just fade and fade into the dark and no one will ever hear about it no so it's something like that where it's it's an uncomfortable conversation but it's it's one that needs to be had so i think to transition from something that was yeah a little dark and scary to our favorite, our favorite past. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Lighthearted. The le- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is kind of my favorite pastime. <laughs> Laughing at Gary Bettman being a moron. Well, you do this. I'm finding the exact statement. <laughs> so, a tweet came up on my timeline yesterday from Gary Bettman. Well, Gary Bettman didn't tweet this, but he said this at the Stanley Cup Final Media Day where basically he thinks that George Peros, who is the director of player safety, thinks that he's doing a good job. Now, anyone who's watched any playoff hockey knows he's full of shit. That he is not good at his job and he's deserved to be fired like the second he got hired. He's terrible. Like, for those of you who don't know who George Peros was, or really is... Um, George Peros was a player in the NHL. He did not really record any mind-blowing stats other than he had 1,092 penalty minutes in his career in 474 games played. He had 36 points. So basically, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Goon before with Doug Glatt. He's basically like that. (laughs) He is a career fighter. Yeah, he's a career fighter. Like he, I don't understand why you would put a guy who was a career goon in a position like that. Like you're almost asking for trouble. Oh, gee, like that $5,000 fine sure will get him to knock it off. No, it won't. Tom Wilson with that tirade on the Rangers a couple of years ago, he got 5k for that. You know, can we, can we appreciate that? Tom Wilson uh, punched Butch Navis, who was knocked out. Um, hurt Panarin. I don't even think got a game. Brendan, no, he got five thousand dollars. Brendan Lemieux, five games for biting. Uh, Five five games games for for, eating. Five games for eating. (laughs) Thank you. Everyone knows the rule: one bite is biting, two bites is eating. It it, it is. I agree, hundred percent. It's it's eating. He 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 ate Brady Kachuk. He did. He did. It broke skin. He ate Brady Kachuk. You know, that's 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 the point of getting at though like that's that's five games and i get it because like, yes and it deserved to be five games get your head get your head on a screw like but he, he punched it and knocked out dude and hurt someone and they're like yep. oh, repeat offender who's this never heard of him oh oh wait he hasn't he hasn't had a suspension in eight months oh uh, i don't i don't know this guy oh uh, he looked i see Wom no tilson who is Wom tilson like I see no fuck off. But like it's just tough at the playoffs. Like because how many names have we listed? Matt Dumba, no uh, suspension. Kale McCarr, one game. He got a game. Jordan Everly, nothing. Got a game. But did he? 
Did he no, get a game? Think Jordan, no, Jordan Emily, I don't think got a game. Oh my fuck. That wow. Okay. Cogliano, yeah, I'm pretty sure he got nothing for that. Oh my god, he didn't get a game for breaking a dude's neck. Why am I not surprised? Yeah, I don't think he got a game. Jamie Ben got two. Michael Bunting gets uh what three games for three. three three games for a shot to the head, but um there's another hit the exact same in the next series against Florida. What didn't get a suspension. Radko Gudis brains uh David Camp against the boards like seconds after the whistle. No suspension, no fine. Uh, I was about to say which Matthew Dumba hit. Can I talk about the one on Pavelski? The All one on Marchman or the one on uh who was the other one? Robertson, I think. All of them. Or no hints. It was one. It was hints, I think. It, uh, but like God. He's doing a great job. In other news, I need to get LASIK eye surgery because I'm fucking Alex blind. <laughs> Alex Petrangelo, the Paul Bunyan swing on goddamn Leon Dreisaitl. One game. <laughs> Suspending Darnell Nurse for instigating a fight in the last, like, five minutes. It's okay. It's okay. They're all enjoying their 5K fine. <laughs> Like, to give you an idea, these guys getting fined $5,000 is the equivalent of us getting fined, like, 5 to 20 bucks. Yeah. It's, like, 20 bucks. 20 bucks, yeah. So, like, oh, I can swing my stick at someone for $20? Like, really? That's not going to deter a hockey player who's pissed off? Pound of flesh? Like, the Panthers have gotten away with, like, taking a pound of flesh... In like every single game they've gotten, like punching people behind the net, doing whatever they've had to, no one's gotten suspended for it. Yeah, Sam Bennett hasn't gotten Sam suspended ben- for it. Yeah, well, I was about to say, why do you think Sam Bennett and Rod Gudas have been like two of the biggest players for them? Like, what the because fuck? Because they, <laughs> they take advantage of how the league handles things right now, and it's worked for them because Dude. that style of play is the same with the freaking Knights. Look at how they handle yeah, the Yeah, I know. Look the Knights have done the same thing. Handled the Oilers. And I guarantee you that uh, Matthew Kachuk's not going to get suspended for his hit on Jack Eichel tonight, too. I'll put money on it. I'll put money on it. I've gotten, like, four texts. Like, I haven't been watching the game. I got, like, four texts, like, uh, Jack Eichel's fucking dead. And I'm like, oh, oh, no. You know what's funny? He came back in the game and dismissed I don't know if it's 5-0 or 4-0. But, like, George Peros literally has over a thousand penalty minutes. That's so funny to me. He has a thousand. And let's put him in charge of player safety, even though he's probably like given brain damage to like a bunch of players. That you makes sense. Like I said, ever since the um they've only ever done it really to one guy where they've dealt with them. That's because he did it for like a freaking half a decade or decade plus. You know who I'm talking about. Who is it? Rafi Torres. Yeah, and uh, that wasn't George Peros who suspended no. Rafi Torres. That was my good old buddy Brendan Shanahan. Shanahan. Which Shanahan in that role was actually decent. He actually gave out suspensions when they deserved to be suspensions. He wasn't afraid to give a guy half a season because he's a dumb fuck braining people like every chance he got. I find it funny when one of the biggest people who called him out is freaking James fucking Dolan. Oh my god. Oh my god. There's enough videos. George Peros. That's the only time only time I've agreed with him. 
one of the only times that we th- we feel like George Paris is unfit in his current position and needs to be wise. fired. Like, yeah, no shit. In other news, grass is fucking green and the sky's blue. Like, yes, and he it, sucks. And he got fined, like, I think 50K. He got fined more than Tom Wilson did for braining a guy while he was on the ice and slamming Artemi Panarin by the hair onto the ice. The issue is, it's a two-sided coin here. This issue falls on both ends because it's on the league for yeah. not handling player safety in a smart and responsible manner. But until players are like, yes, fine us. Fine us more money. Protect us. Like, actually, like, care about these suspensions. Yeah. Nothing's going to change. Like, it took literally a ton of problems with the NFL before they actually started taking stuff seriously. It wasn't until people like Vontez Perfect, literally was killing guy. I'm not. I'm not Antonio like, Brown. Antonio Brown. Jack Doyle. I could keep going. There's like five other names. Yeah. Uh, In his college days. His, yeah, his Arizona State days. I think yeah. it was Arizona. was one of them. I think it was Arizona, Arizona State. State. Like, uh, and then you look at the, uh, the NHL. Like, it's been getting better-ish in terms of like the nasty hits going away. Yeah. And like the nasty behavior is still there, obviously, because you got yeah. literally last year, Brendan Lemieux tried to eat someone. And, like, I think the dirty hits have gone down because players are more skilled now. But at the same time, I think there's a way to get around the fines. Because, like, say, like, if you don't think a $5,000 fine is enough deterrent, which it clearly fucking isn't with the pattern in this league, what you need to do is not be afraid to suspend a guy. Like, that's the type of thing. If you don't think a $5,000 fine is enough of a punishment, you can get around the maximum fine by suspending a guy. And that's what they need to be able to do. Because, like, the $5,000 fine, if they don't think it's enough, suspend him. That's what it's there for. Yeah. it's Like, he just doesn't do it. It's annoying as fuck when you see your favorite player get cross-checked in the back of the head, punched in the face, or given a concussion for no repercussions. It's not great watching your team be an idiot. Because, like, you It wasn't fun watching Michael Bunting being a dumbass. And hurting, who was it again? Eric Chernak. Or in the case of, like, or Matthew Nye's getting freaking brutalized. And there was no suspension on that. No. You were talking about the David Camp hit. <laughs> the Matthew Nice one was worse. Like, yeah. There's nothing on that. Like, or on my case, like I said, freaking Jerry McCann gets brain into the board in a game that was well over. One game. One game. Jerry McCann did come back to like halfway through the freaking Star Series. And like, like and then, and then at my end, like on the receiving end of that, I would watch Jordan Eberle probably end Andrew Cogliano's career. Yeah. And get no games. He got nothing. He got nothing. And I'm sitting there shocked. Like, yeah. granted, it helped us because Everly came through for us at many yeah. points, especially game six. But, like, it feels hollow because it's like, you I literally never want to see destroy someone's career. Yeah. And, like, and, you never like, want to see, accidental. you never want to see your team benefit from an injury to another guy. You never want to see that. Like, it, 
it just doesn't matter like how you won. Like if you have Especially that in the back of your mind, it sucks. Like intentionally the worst. Yeah. And like I have a like I've had a proposal that I've heard for a long time where it's like if you really want to punish these guys, especially if they injure someone, this should be like if they injure someone, if they don't, it's a different story. But if they do, they should be held out, especially in the playoffs. They should be held out for the remainder of the series that the injured player is out. So like if a player misses the rest of the series due to an injury off of like a concussion, the perpetrator needs to be out the rest of the series too. Can't come back and go game one of the next one. The playoffs are like, that's a great yeah. example. Like it's something I mean, like that. That'll deter if it's a nasty hit or not. Like yeah, like if it's an intentional hit or not. That'll be a deterrent like, though. Because did your eyes out play the rest of that series? Yes. When you get the freaking Paul Bunyan yeah. chop on him, it's like that one's different because he wasn't out for games. But you you gotta give more than one game. It's like blatant intent to injure. Because there are some suspension worthy hits that like. You can't really do anything about like there are some like really bad hits that were just like you're in a bad position, but you deserve to be punished for it. But there are others where it's like a blatant attempt to injure like the Jamie Ben cross check or the Alex Petrangelo swing. Mm. It's stuff like that where you need to have proper punishments for this, because if you don't, players are going to keep doing it. We see it every single year. Sam Bennett is going to get someone seriously injured for not getting punished all playoff long. Yeah. I mean, and he's not even the only one. It's not. It's not Sam Bennett. It's freaking, it's Matt Dumba. It's Petrangelo. It's freaking Jamie Benn. It's, it's Ryan Reeves. Chuck. It's Ryan Reeves. It's Ryan Tom Reeves. Wilson. Mm-hmm. Darnell Nurse has a tendency to do it. Like, it's a lot of players, and I think the reason why it's a lot of players is because they're allowed. If there isn't any punishment, if there isn't any punishment on something that's blatantly intent to injure, then it's allowed. It just is. If there's no punishment, it's allowed. Like, it sucks, but they just need to get better at... They need to get better at giving proper punishment, because until they do that, this shit's going to continue happening... And we're going to have more and more stories of former hockey players having health problems because they weren't protected. Yeah, it's just, especially because we can't actively check CTE, but it's like we talk, we joke about the NFL with all the CTE issues. Yeah. Like Antonio Brown's the highlight of that. But like, I think hockey has it worse than any sport. Yeah, because the players players are just CTE. The players are just the least protected nowadays. Like, it sucks, but until you adopt, like, you actually need the safety. Because you can have a balance with good playoff hockey that people love because it's so fast, it's hard-hitting. You can have that balance, but you need to set a precedent from the start of what's going to fly and what isn't. Rather than just changing it up. You need to be able to have a system where, like, if you're a dumbass, you're going to win a stupid prize. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that's the main problem. So, like, just at the end of this, George Peros is not doing a good job. You need someone new who's not afraid to swing the suspension hammer. Because George Peros just doesn't do it. Yeah. Uh, so pain. It's so painful. It is. It's sweet, like, so we like laughing at... It's, it's fun laughing at 
the uh the pretend league no i'm kidding no yeah. any hockey fans just want to come just kill me right now what I'm kidding i said hockey the pretend league the it NHL. is a pretend league it is i don't think you're gonna get crucified for saying that and what Old other hockey sport fans believe that in what other sport <laughs> or is there documented evidence other than basketball maybe where you have a ref on mic saying we're going to make up a call because the other team is up in power plays because you need to have them tied. That's a whole other issue. I forgot about that. Fucking Tim Peel. Worst follow ever on Twitter, by the way. Tim Peel. Terrible. No, no. Tim Peel. Like, if you want to lose, like, countless brain cells other than playing in the NHL because they don't protect you worth the shit is follow Tim Peel on Twitter. Terrible. Because he's part of the problem. Siri go off. Siri did go off. I'm so (laughs) mad that Siri's going off. That's so funny. Here's what I found on Tim Peel being a piece of shit. Oh, God. Let's see this. God, no, no. No. Also, just quick update because I was looking at the game. I just went to do a check on the game. It's probably over now. It is 6 2. Vegas. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, Lion so, came in. At the conclusion of this podcast, uh Vegas is up two to nothing in the series. So to conclude, uh let us know if you guys think Florida can come back from 2-0. I think game three is going to be a very big indicator on how this series is gonna go. Mm-hmm. Um, we might see another scenario where another team has to be the fifth team ever to come back from three-nothing. We'll see. I hope not, because I'm hoping that we get a decent final like the NBA finals have turned out to be. Hope we get like I had I really really had a worry it was gonna be like Montreal. Yeah. Lightning and I while well, I don't think it is that yet. Next it has potential be to be. If they don't if Florida does not show up in game three, it's probably gonna be like that. Yeah, it, I I hope not, but we'll see. But uh yeah, you guys got a pretty long episode this week. Uh Oh yeah, a lot, lot of news came out, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of news this upcoming week. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, have a good week once again. If you're a Knights or Panthers fan, good luck in the finals. We wish you guys the best. But until then, we will see you next week. Take care, everyone. <laughs>